Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I am not a big sleeper. Never have been. I probably never will be. So at night, I tend to be up. Nowadays, I'm often on the internet, somewhere on my computer doing something. But back when I was younger, often I would be watching television. And one of the shows I really learned to love early on was Saturday Night Live. I can't tell you the first time I saw Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live, but I can tell you that it was electrifying. The charisma, the personality, the talent that he brought to Saturday Night Live after the original cast had left was a revelation. And it was very obvious that Eddie Murphy was bound for greatness. And of course, I wouldn't shut up about him with my family. This was problematic because that made it very obvious that I was staying up way too late and watching shows that I probably shouldn't be watching during that time. But I had a very understanding family and they sort of turned a blind eye toward my Saturday Night Live indulgences, although they did try to crack down on my weekday watching of late night television. When I heard that Eddie Murphy had started doing movies, I really wanted to see his first movie, 48 Hours. My sister had gone to see it, and when she came back, she told my mom there is no way that I should go see that in the theater. I was crestfallen, but I took it in stride. The very next year, Eddie Murphy was in the movie Trading Places. Now my sister went and saw that, and for some reason said it was appropriate for me to be taken to see that. I was jumping for joy. The whole family went to see Trading Places in the theater, and I could not have been happier. I also could not have been more satisfied. It was a hilarious movie filled with lots of quotable lines, and I kept talking about it to my friends who were not allowed to see it until it was finally released on cable. And when it came on cable, my friends and I watched it nonstop. A lot of people nowadays have grown up with a latter-day Eddie Murphy, still very talented, but they might not know the Eddie Murphy that blew everyone away in the early 80s. For me, 48 Hours, Trading Places, and Beverly Hills Cop are three amazing films that capture Eddie at the start of what would become a storied career. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about one of those movies, Trading Places. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk a little bit about the story, the soundtrack, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Trading Places is a 1983 comedy 
It was directed by John Landis and starred Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's an updated take on The Prince and the Pauper, the Mark Twain story. It also has an element of Pygmalion, or My Fair Lady, in it. The film started in the fertile mind of writers Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrad. According to Harris, he got the idea while watching a tennis game. He said, There were these two brothers who were both doctors, who I would play tennis with on a fairly regular basis, and they were incredibly irritating to play with because they had a major sibling rivalry going all the time about everything. From there, he took the idea to his partner, Herschel Weingrad, and had this idea of having them argue over nature versus nurture, which is a big part of trading places. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. Weingrad and Harris worked on lots of films together, including Trading Places, Twins, Brewster's Millions, Space Jam, and Kindergarten Cop, which are some of my favorite films. You might have a good script, but you got to put that script in the hands of a very talented director. The director of Trading Places is someone who I've talked about many times on the Retroist podcast and also on the website, John Landis. John David Landis is a legendary director, screenwriter, probably best known for his work on The Blues Brothers, Coming to America, Animal House, An American Werewolf in London, and of course, Michael Jackson's Thriller video amongst many, many others. The film was produced by Aaron Russo. Russo would produce a couple of films, although Trading Places is probably his most well-known. It was originally conceived as a vehicle for two other actors, ones that might not surprise you, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor decided, I don't think I want to do this, and when he did, they brought Eddie Murphy on board. At that point, Murphy wisely started to push against having Wilder in the film. He didn't want to just be seen as a substitute Richard Pryor. And because of that, Dan Aykroyd would get the role meant for Gene Wilder. The title of the film wasn't even the same at the time. It was going to be called Black and White. I think Trading Places is a better name. The movie was filmed mostly on the East Coast, on locations in Manhattan and Philadelphia, which served for some amazing exterior locations. Production would run from December of 1982 till March 1st of 1983. The last scenes of the film, which take place on a tropical island, were actually on a tropical island in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Looking good, Billy Ray! Feeling good, Lewis! Now, I'm not going to go deep into the plot of the film, but it involves two brothers, Randolph and Mortimer Duke, played by... Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy. These two rich guys are arguing about the idea of nature versus nurture. If a person is born a certain way versus how they're raised being important. During these arguments, we meet Louis Winthorpe III, who is their managing director of their commodities house. And it is important that they are commodities brokers. Commodities brokers facilitate the trade of, as we find out, gold, pork bellies, and orange juice. And we'll talk a little bit about what that trading is all about and how it ties into the movie itself a little bit later. Winthorpe is their managing director, and they decide that a petty criminal named Billy Ray Valentine, who has a run-in with Lewis Winthorpe, could manage their firm just as well to prove one way or the other if it's nature versus nurture. So they bring in a shady fella who helps to set Winthorpe up 
It's there that he meets a prostitute played by Jamie Lee Curtis named Ophelia. And presto changeo, Billy Ray's in. Lewis is out. Lewis, of course, strikes up a relationship with Ophelia, who is trying to help him get on his feet. Meanwhile, Billy Ray Valentine moves into Lewis's house and meets his butler, Coleman, played by Denim Elliott. There's lots of weird twists and lots of fish-out-of-water humor. And in the end, Billy Ray and Lewis team up to take on the Dukes and try to beat them at their own game. After these messages, we'll be right back. I've been thinking about the market lately. My broker says now's a good time to look into tax-free incomes. What'd your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. And now, back to the show. Now let's talk a little bit about the cast of the film, starting off with the star of the movie, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy plays Billy Ray Valentine. Eddie, Academy Award-nominated actor, stand-up comedian, all-around super talented guy, known for lots of different reasons to different people. Kids might know him from the Shrek films, where he plays Donkey. Older people might know him from his SNL or 80s movies work. Dan Aykroyd played Louis Winthorpe III. Daniel Edward Aykroyd is a Canadian-American actor, musician, probably best known as an original cast member of Saturday Night Live, where he performed with John Belushi, most famously as one of the Blues Brothers. He would also go on to conceive and star in the 1984 comedy classic Ghostbusters. Ophelia was played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis has had an amazing career that just keeps on going. She was most recently in the brand new 2018 Halloween film. It was actually a hard sell to get her into this movie because before this, mostly what she had done were Scream Queen roles. But she was in lots of other films, including My Girl, A Fish Called Wanda, Freaky Friday, and of course, True Lies. Ralph Bellamy, to modern audiences, is probably going to be best known for his role in Trading Places. He would play Randolph Duke to great effect. He passed away in 1991 at age 87. His career started in 1931. From The Wolfman to His Girl Friday, Ralph Bellamy worked a lot. Don Amici, who played Mortimer, had actually had some career issues before he landed Trading Places. Amici got the role, and it would reignite his career, helping him land the role that would win him an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, Cocoon, in 1985. Much like Bellamy, he had quite a career starting in 1935. Denim Elliott played Coleman, another actor with a long career. He started in 1949. He's great in this film, but I will always remember him as Dr. Marcus Brody in the Indiana Jones films. Finally, we have Paul Gleason. Gleason is probably best known for playing jerks. He played one in The Breakfast Club, he played one in Trading Places, and he played one in Die Hard. No one could do it better. And there's a sort of mean cluelessness to his roles that is just so much fun to watch. Surprisingly, he was not the original choice for this role. They actually offered it to G. Gordon Liddy, who was part of Nixon's Watergate break-in. But he turned down the role when he found out that something bad happens to Beaks in the film. And I guess he didn't want to show weakness or didn't want an awesome role in a great movie. 
You had some great cameos in the film. Frank Oz is in the film, who is of Muppets fame. Plays Miss Piggy, was also the voice of Yoda. Plays a police officer. Bo Diddley is a pawnbroker. And there are two original Saturday Night Live cast member writers in the film. Tom Davis and Al Franken, who play baggage handlers. After these messages, we'll be right back. Here's Bruce Jenner for Tropicana Pure Premium. Smells like fresh oranges. Smells like Tropicana. Sure, fresh Florida oranges are all we use in Tropicana Pure Premium. Is he all orange juice alike? Nope. Only one can be the best. For me, it's fresh-tasting Tropicana Pure Premium. It's pure, pasteurized Florida orange juice, not reconstituted with water like other leading brands. Mmm, tastes good. Tastes like fresh oranges. Only one can be the best. For me, it's fresh-tasting Tropicana Pure Premium. And now, back to the show. The film has a great soundtrack. That is because it was composed by the super-talented Elmer Bernstein. Bernstein passed away in 2004, wrote some of the most critically acclaimed, amazing works for film. He did movies like The Great Escape, The Ten Commandments, Animal House, Ghostbusters. He would win an Oscar for his score to Thoroughly Modern Millie and be nominated for 14 other Oscars. This score for this film was sadly not released back when the film was released, but... La La Land Records would remedy that by releasing the full soundtrack in 2011, limiting the release to 2,000 copies. Hard to find a copy for sale, but luckily some people have posted it online so you can find it usually on YouTube where it stays up pretty often. I'm going to take a moment to talk about one of my favorite jokes in the film. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was to just talk about this joke that I love to reference all the time. There's this throwaway moment when Lewis comes into his club to see all his old friends after he's been taken down many notches and they want nothing to do with them. And all of these people are standing around talking and then the character of Bunny gives the punchline to a story that everybody laughs at. She says, And she stepped on the ball. (laughs) (laughs) For the longest time, I did not get that reference. It is actually a reference to a story in the movie Anti-Mame from 1958, where Gloria Upson actually tells a joke that has this very punchline in it. And it went a little something like this. I beg your pardon, Gloria? I said you'd practically write a whole book about what happened to me. Oh, oh, thank you. Yes. Bunny Bixler and I were in the semifinals, the very semifinals, mind you, of the ping pong tournament at the club. And this ghastly thing happened. We were both playing way over our heads, and the score was 29-28. And we had this really terrific volley, and I stepped back to get this really terrific shot. And I stepped on the ping pong ball. (laughs) Oh, I just squashed it to bits. So now, whenever you hear this, you will know that for some reason, they are making a reference to Auntie Mame in Trading Places. Now, did she watch the movie and think it was funny enough to tell? Is she telling a story that she witnessed? It's hard to know, but it's pretty funny. Trading Places. It's about a rich whiz kid and a poor crook who gets swapped around. So the crook gets rich, and the whiz kid gets, frankly, violent. 
What happens after is just one laugh after another. This man is physically threatening me. See Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. Happy New Year! In the West End from Friday. Check press for details. The film was released on June 10th, 1983, and would earn $7.3 million its opening weekend. The film would be one of the top 10 grossing films for 17 weeks and would make $90.4 million during its U.S. run, which made it the fourth highest grossing film of 1983. Do you know the three films that were ahead of it? They were Flashdance, which made $92.9 million, Terms of Endearment, which made $108 million, and then blowing them all away was Return of the Jedi with $252.5 million. Great year for movies. The film is generally pretty well received, even nowadays. And at the time, it got pretty positive reviews. People talked about what an amazing cast this had, how good the writing was. So it's no surprise that the film would receive several award nominations, including an Academy Award nomination, three BAFTA Award nominations, and two Golden Globe Award nominations. Denim Elliott and Jamie Lee Curtis would actually garner two wins, earning BAFTA Awards for Best Supporting Actress and Best Supporting Actor. That score I told you about by Elmer Bernstein, it would get nominated for an Academy Award as well. While there was never a sequel to Trading Places, and that's probably a good thing, there was a cameo by Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici as Randolph and Mortimer in the 1988 film Coming to America. In that film, Eddie Murphy plays Prince Akeem, who's this very wealthy African prince who comes to America, and he's trying to get rid of all this money, and he gives it to two homeless guys who turn out to be the Dukes, who make a comment about they're going to come back. And I think a lot of people at the time hoped they would. I think Trading Places is a pretty perfect movie, so they probably did the right thing by not making a sequel. Now, I don't think I can do justice to how this film ends. It has to do with speculating on the price of frozen orange juice futures on the commodities exchange in New York City. The Duke brothers basically are given bad information and are going to try to corner the market on the price of orange juice. And they think there's been a bad harvest and that the price will go up. And they tell their trader to just buy, 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 buy. And so they can corner the market. Unfortunately, they've been given a false report on the orange juice crop. So then everyone around them sees that they're going to do this and they want in. Nobody wants to miss out. So they all start buying. It's at this point that Winthorpe and Valentine decide to speculate by selling orange juice at a set price several months from now. And now everybody thinks, well, this is stupid. If they sell then, they're going to lose. So I'm going to buy all that orange juice from them. And then when it's more expensive, then I will sell it at a profit. And these guys are suckers. What they don't know is that the orange juice report is going to come on. And the Secretary of Agriculture comes up and tells everybody, yeah, the OJ is fine. There was no bad crops. And then all heck breaks loose. That means the price of orange juice is not going to go up. And so everybody who was trying to do something with orange juice is going to try to sell it now because they paid way too much for it. And the price starts plummeting. When it gets far enough down, Valentine and Winthor begin to buy it in April, which means that in April, they are able to buy all of this orange juice for 29 cents a pound and then sell it for a higher price, $1.42 a pound. They bought low 
and sold it high by manipulating the system. The Dukes went the other way, and they're broke. Now, I'm not sure if I did that justice, and I'm not sure if you could follow that. There's a podcast called Planet Money, and if you search for Trading Places, Planet Money, you can listen to the host, Robert Smith, really get to the bottom of this. He interviews people, does a much better job than I do, also has a great delivery. And if you're really interested in learning how this whole Trading Places stuff worked, do check that out. I love Trading Places. I just got to see it on the big screen again, and I was thrilled. It's a really great movie any time of the year. It has a sort of holiday theme, so it's really good to watch during the winter months. So if you're looking for a good laugh and want to watch several very talented people at their height of their game, why not check out Trading Places? I think you'll love it. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist and facebook.com slash retroist.com. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. And she stepped on the ball. This has been a retrospective. Goodbye.